Welcome to the Comfortable in Chaos Podcast. Podcast. Strangle your demons and let's go. Y'all need Jesus! sing a song for you yep you know where you're at man you're on the comfortable and chaos podcast i'm your host eric hellberg and i'm back on the hellberg farm if you want to call it that right now on all these oak trees i have more crows flying overhead than probably cruella Deville's house from 101 dalmatians that iconic character best played of course by glenn close And I started singing a song I remember from being very much a youngster. I loved Fat Albert, man. I loved Bill Cosby. Hold that thought, though. We're going to explore that a little bit. And we're going to explore concepts around that a little bit. And uh, bear with me, getting a little pinch of uh, Copenhagen straight, long cut, and... Let's move forward. Can you be too nice? That's an interesting question. Can you ever be too nice? Of course you can. I have always, I don't know if it came from within myself, inside of me, but no matter what, whenever I encountered... I'm talking both men and women. If they tried to portray a high extent of nicety per se, it almost seemed unnatural. It almost seemed disingenuous. And what's the other word for that, just keeping it real, is fake. Isn't it impossible to simply be too nice? I think that... You can be kind. I think you can be authentic. I think you can treat everyone with deference. One of my sayings in in my world is that respect begets respect. And you're like, what the hell does that mean, Eric? What it means is, is every encounter I've ever had out there repossessing equipment, um, I always tried to treat people a certain way. We're only one day or one moment removed from catastrophe. I don't care how insulated you think you are. I don't care how much money you think that that can, I don't know, push that uh, scenario away from you. You cannot. You could get the phone call right now. It could be a loved one. You could find out something about yourself. Something totally unforeseen could befall you and you were left grasping and struggling. I walked into people's lives every day, all day long, multiple times a day. And kind of like the old Hippocratic Oath, first, do no harm. That's the way I looked at it. I never wanted to make the situation worse. Now, granted... 
I have stolen, if you want to call it that, and I'm only describing it this way so you can understand it. Unbeknownst to people, I have crawled around them, been right beside them, um, have been watching them and or their equipment, waiting for the right time, and taking things. I'm talking at the middle of parties, um, every hour of the day or night. Yes, I have done that. But as I matured and really started studying man, because had I not done so, this man wouldn't have been around to study man, I realized that there were some better ways. And whenever I encountered any of these men, my mantra became, in fact, I changed it on my business card. And oftentimes I would leave that business or calling card at people's doors on their vehicles. And at the bottom, it said, respect, pardon, spit, respect begets respect. You know how many people have called me back from God knows in tarnation in this country because I left them that card? Therefore, it probably has resonated with them. That's where I always began. So you can always be respectful, but you can be genuine. And you've heard me comment on this pastor, the smiling pastor, Joel Olstein. It's just a perfect example. I'm not speaking to him as a human being. I don't know him as a human being. I only know his aura. However, if I were to be around him and all I saw was that expression, it would be almost impossible for me to believe it. And have you ever noticed those that feign nicety the most? Oftentimes we hear deleterious things about them. Perhaps you've experienced it in your own life and, and encountered people like that. Now, let's go to Bill Cosby. He was America's dad. I loved um, I loved the Cosby show. I used to watch Fat Albert. In fact, hell, I liked watching the Final Four and, and uh, March Madness when they'd be playing in Philadelphia and or Temple. I can't remember. They had a great coach at Temple at that time, something Cheney. But there was Mr. Cosby always in the stands with his, uh, you know, his big T sweater for Temple. And I never thought that he was overtly nice. I just liked his image. And later on, my wife and I went and watched him at kind of a, uh, a more intimate venue at the Lutcher th uh, Theater in Orange, Texas. And I loved his stand-up routine. It really wasn't even a stand-up routine. It was laced with uh, common sense comedy. But by then, he had started talking about a lot of, a lot of bigger social issues, and partic particularly within the African-American community. And I'm telling you, within the next 10 to 11 months after that performance is when all these allegations broke. And I think back, I watched an interview with him one time, and they said, Mr. Cosby, why does everyone like you? He said, I really don't know. 
I don't know what causes someone to like you, but what I do know, the way to get them not to like you is by constantly seeking to get someone to like you. But everyone did like Bill Cosby. Did he fool us? Man, I would have to say, uh, <laughs> after all these times, after all this time, excuse me, and all the people involved in the allegations, and then apparently so, and it's tragic. And uh, all that transpired was tragic. But this isn't to point a finger toward Bill Cosby. This is simply to point out that sometimes when the constancy of niceness is portrayed, oftentimes there may be something else behind it. I've never trusted it, and maybe that is because of my own insecurities inside of me. Now, I can tell you this. I can tell you that a man can go out in whatever it is that he applies himself to. I don't care if he's a sports star. I don't care if he's a business star, uh, a communal and or community star, simply a small business owner. He can get lost in the fact that people enjoy his company, like him as a man, tell them that he is beneficial to whatever output that he is producing and or that he is doing well in this world. And when that man is languishing at home, meaning what is seen outside the home and championed is not the same thing being received as inside the home, i.e. from a spouse and or the children, well, then there's a problem. That's what you would call a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde. And I would say it is very easy to get caught up like that as a man, especially when fame is involved or achievement is involved, to hide behind that so that you never have to look inward and therefore improve, especially if you're being prodded to do so by your loved ones. They may simply want more of you. They may simply want more time. They just may need a little bit more consideration the same thing that they perceive that in your quest for being nice and or engaging and giving energy elsewhere, they would like to have part of that package right at the same address that you call home. So let's move a little bit further. I was thinking about another nice guy. And New York City is population-wise, I mean, area-wise, very small, right? But population-wise, that is still our densest city in the country. And they have a new mayor there, new since about 2022 or so, a Democrat by the name of Eric Adams. And I've listened to Eric Adams several times. I think he's a very bright guy. And he seemed genuinely concerned because, to use the word inclusive, I mean, look at the demographics of New York City. Isn't it inclusive? There's over 200 languages spoken within those five boroughs of New York City. 
How could it not be inclusive? And he has been a champion of the people. But here in the last few months, I notice he has been speaking out against illegal immigration. And whatever term that you choose, for the sake of this podcast, let's just call them migrants for simplicity. And if anyone gets offended by that, um, I'm sorry. I don't know what other other word to use. Um, I believe the surest way to, just like Bill Cosby said, to offend someone is constantly work to not offend them. Thereby, you lose authenticity and you you lose the ability to simply do what is correct. So what has Eric Adams been doing? He's saying New York City cannot sustain the volume of migrants that are being brought there. Well, I guess that begs the question, well, why do we need to bring them there? Okay, where else would you like them to go? I'm here in Texas. You've heard me say before, half of my wife's family is still in Mexico. Do you not think that we don't know about that issue and or may or may not be intimately associated with it? We don't know how family members and a big part of the general populace gets over here, where they go, what they do, how the process works. Are you kidding me? Let's just put it like this. Thanksgiving's coming up. We're in November now. Can you believe that, guys? Can you believe it? This year is going by quick. A month and a day, right? A month and a day. I put the largest Thanksgiving turkey that I can find on the table. And now follow me here. And a bus of migrants pulls up in front of my house. Well, I'm a humanitarian. I love all people. Guess what? We're going to serve a Thanksgiving meal to everyone that comes off of that bus. Well, that bus seats about 50 to 60. My family's here. You know what? We're not going to be partial to anyone. Everyone is deserved of now, since we have so many guests, a singular bite of turkey. Well, everyone's still hungry. All right. I get out on my bullhorn. Remember, my neighbors are not right next to me, so I call down the street. We need more turkeys! All right, everyone brings their turkey. They forego theirs. Um, next thing you know, everyone got a good meal. The next bus comes. The next bus comes. When do you stop being a humanitarian? When you simply can no longer provide for these people that are in need? Hmm. Well, I'll tell you one better. You know, I did a show just the other morning from the basement of uh, the the Kickapoo Tribes Casino in Eagle Pass. Let me tell you what I saw in Eagle Pass. And I've seen it all over the country. I've seen it 
uh, where the border wall is being constructed across from San Diego, Tijuana, literally on the beach coming from the water. And I have worked border fence areas uh, throughout all of Texas where I had not been in quite some time was across from Piedras Negras and Eagle Pass. So I had to go find this dude. And I ended up going way back in the ranchos and the monte and all that stuff back there. And so I was backed up against the Rio Grande, kind of hidden in my truck. I had already uh, dealt with an individual. We were all cool. He's actually delivering equipment for me. Um, we simply had a good meeting. Everything worked out. But I still had some correspondence to get out to clients. So I'm sitting on a bluff in this orchard, looking down over the Rio Grande Valley, and there is this dirt road running parallel. Um, excuse me, not the Rio Grande Valley, the Rio Grande River. There is a dirt road running parallel to it. I look off, and I see this huge cloud of dust coming. The sun's coming down. I can't quite make it out. And then I look, and there's three tour buses coming in a caravan alongside the Rio Grande River. Three tour buses. As they get closer and they kind of make this arc and turn in front of me, they're all unmarked. Now, I had noticed that I had seen some Border Patrol staged in these rural areas going down closer to the river as I turned and went through these guys. But these three buses, unmarked, just make the turn and they go on up the road. And I said to myself, what in the hell? I'm like, are you kidding me? All right. Well, I went and talked to some of the Border Patrol dudes. I'm like, hey, man, what, what's up with these things, man? And, uh, of course, I'd already told them who I was, what I'm doing, this and that. And they're like, well, we, we processed these guys today, today. This was midday. And they're now stateside, and we're going to get them ready. Stipends provided, and they're gone, dude. Okay, well, doesn't it come to a point whereby you can no longer be nice because you simply have nothing more to give? And at whose expense, when you're too nice of your own accord, well, you jeopardize your own self because it simply is not true. You can't live in reality. The niceness is an extension of something else to cover. But as a country, are you no longer being nice when you just simply say, we have no more space, we have no more money, we have no more resources. If we really wanted to be nice, why don't we simply clean up Mexico? Just like all these other countries that uh, we go around in the world and seem to have this unquenchable thirst for their resources, uh, money and infrastructure that can be derived there, products and things that we can extract from there. Doesn't Mexico have it? 
I mean, wouldn't you love to go back to the old days where you can just shoot down the Cozumel and Cancun without any, or Cabo, without any problems? I remember the last time we went to Cabo as a family, the very next day they found someone beheaded on the beach we were at. So that kind of puts a fly in the ointment. So you have all these beautiful tourism areas, ecotourism for all you green people out there. I mean, they've got chapas, they've got jungles, they've got coffee, they've got oil, they've got gas, they have minerals. Um, obviously produce, a lot of our produce comes out of Mexico. But they have everything. Their people are impoverished. They still have a very substantial caste system there. There are next-door neighbors. There are plenty of people in need. We know that stone-cold killers are running amok over there. But whenever we talk about other countries that are similar, we'll chase those down halfway around the world and leave this one alone. I'm wondering why that is. Can we not simply be nice when drugs are involved? Is that good conduit what kind of predisposes us in our decision-making? Hmm. Real niceness, to keep using that word, it's almost a silly word, niceness. Real niceness is truth. What we all need is truth. And guess what? Eric Adams decided to tell the truth a few months ago. In fact, I believe it was simply last week, he made a video of himself going to visit our current president to discuss the migrant crisis, that it is unsustainable, and is disenfranchising his own constituency and people that he wants to be nice to in New York, but that New York has a finite amount of space, therefore we have no space for these people. As nice as we want to be, we no longer have the time, energy, or can bestow the effort as nice as we would like to be, and we certainly don't have the money to sustain all these people for as nice as we would like to be. So I have come to tell the truth. Well, the truth has rained down on Eric Adams. His chief fundraiser just got raided by our president's own Department of Justice. The FBI has now come in to a very temperate man's office, disrupted it, and maybe they just simply did not like his message. And maybe Eric Adams is no longer deemed to be nice. Some things worthy of exploration, for sure. Now let's get back to being authentic. The next time my son does not take the trash out like I asked him to. Am I being nice if I simply don't tell him anything? Or should I show him my real self, my real emotion, and say, hey, dude, take care of business or this or I'll limit you here or that. I mean, come on. 
Niceness gets you nowhere. Truth makes things very, very difficult. But if you are a God-fearing man, and if you actually have a conscience, you can live with yourself. Until next time on the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast, I bid you boin voyage, my burgeoning flock. Until next time, like and subscribe to the Comfortable and Chaos Podcast.